Hello and welcome to episode 130 of Fergo and the Frick. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRP. Join me as always as a glorious League Freak. You can find me on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going good. How are you? Not too bad. I thought I'd change up the intro, and then I didn't do it. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking, you you say, like, joining you as always as League Freak, and it made me think, like, what happens if I don't join you one day? Um... I'd probably still say it. And then go, oh, hang on, whoops. You'd be like, oh, shit. Nah, it's like Nadine or whoever it is. Mrs. Nathan. Yeah, Mrs. Nathan. Get her on. She could replace me. That'd be fantastic. She could replace both of us. Yeah. She'd just run run this entire podcast. Still call and it she, Freak. Yeah, and she'd probably still do 700 episodes a month, too. I reckon so, She's huh? just pumping them out. Yeah. Anyways... We've got a fair bit of news for today's episode. Yeah, it's a little bit started happening, hey? Yeah, it's it's almost like the footy season's getting close. Yeah. So we might just uh, dive in headfirst and go straight to a statement coming from the Super League about Israel Folau. Ooh, it must have been hard-hitting and very pointed, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Alrighty, here it is. Okay. Sit sit back and grab a coffee, it's going to take a while. Okay. Following today's meeting of the Super League board, the below statement has been issued. Super League has clearly and consistently outlined its position on Israel Folau. With the season underway, we now feel it is important for Super League to separate what is an off-field matter from what is happening on the field. Super League board accepts the legalities around the RFL's decision to register Israel Folau and the board has voted unanimously to put in place measures that ensure the Super League has greater authority to stop controversial signings such as this in the future. As a sport, we have an impressive and enviable track record when it comes to equality, diversity and inclusion, and we will continue our great work in those areas. That's it. Um, I will just say mm-hmm. that there isn't a, there is an enviable track record when it comes to equality, diversity and inclusion. It includes people of all different colours, people of all different religions, except for the one that Israel Folau supports. Mm-hmm. Um wife beaters and drunks and sexual assaulters and drug alcoholics, users. drug users, um, cheats. Yeah. And that could be cheats in many forms. They could be taking illegal substances. They could be... People are betting, betting on the on, game. Betting on games. Um, so, yeah, that's very diverse and inclusive. Um, yeah. They're pretty much open to everyone except Israel Folau. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's it inclusive really... without being entirely inclusive. Yeah, well, I mean, the the main thing about inclusion in 2020 is that you've got to work out who you get rid of for life. Um, I always find that that's the way you do conf- uh, inclusion now. So, yeah, and Israel Folau has got in on a loophole, that loophole being that the Super League board is fucking weak and didn't want to do anything. So congratulations to everyone involved. I know that it took them six hours to work that out. Um, I know that there were some Super League clubs that were claiming that they might take uh, the Catalan Dragons to court if sponsors walked away from the game. And uh, I can understand that. I mean, Hull KR is one of those clubs that was apparently allegedly saying that they were going to take them to court. And where would they be without the drain company? I mean, let's be honest. Oh, mate. When I think drains, I think the drain company. I do too. 
It's like the admit. drain company number one, and then fucking hose link number two, hey? <laughs> exactly. And, and then Pertec number three. See what I'm talking about? Exactly. And this is the thing is, uh, I suppose the other question is, how many times do you think about drains in a day? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, our people, they think about it a lot, obviously, but, you know, People who've got proper plumbing that I think about it very often. <laughs> Sorry, you know what it is? Myself. It's the perfect. It's the perfect place because they play. You know, Hulk KR. And there are plenty, plenty of people at them games that are going like, "Oh yeah, maybe we should get some fucking drains put in, eh? Maybe we should get a flushing toilet." Be <laughs> get a drain. Yeah. Hey, honey, do you want a drain for Christmas? <laughs> oh boy, that'd be awesome. Valentine's Day is coming up. You want to drain? Oh, you know, to get me excited, don't you? Let me tell you something. And this is an honest to God. I'm not lying when I say this, right? I was walked through Hull by some, some friends of mine when I was over there. And we got to this point and I started to smell a really bad smell. And I'm like, what's that smell? And they're like, that's East Hull. That's our <laughs> territory. And it was, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I thought they were going to say it was La Humber. Nah, just East Hull. Just East Hull. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, I can't believe this. Uh, I, we, it keeps coming up. Yeah. And I keep saying the same thing. I can't believe the uproar over this. And I had a discussion on Twitter with a few people, and my argument was no one in Super League gave a toss when Robert Louis signed up. Mm-hmm. And Robert Lou was twice charged with bashing his girlfriend. The second mm-hmm. time was when she was pregnant. I think, mm-hmm. he, I think he was found guilty. I'm not sure on that, but I'm pretty sure he was found guilty. And they had no issue with that that person whatsoever going over and playing Super League. But Israel Folau said some religiousy things, and he should be banned, and he's going to cost us all of these sponsors and all this other outrage. And my argument was... That's just fucking stupid. Yeah. How can someone who's been who's reciting something that is thousands of years old all of a sudden be offensive, but someone who beats a pregnant woman is not? Or, or not say not offensive, but not as offensive. I don't get that. And one of the arguments I was told was, oh, Israel Flair has a bigger profile. Mm. I was like, that's that's not an argument. The crime no. doesn't fit the fucking outrage. That's my point. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I've I've called... I called it today. I said it was virtue signalling, right? Because, I mean... Look, a number of years ago, Zach Hardacre was investigated for homophobic slurs towards a referee, right? And he's playing for Wigan right now. Now, it, I saw people saying, well, you know, he... He he made up for it and he saw the error of his ways and stuff. And it's like, well, maybe he was given the opportunity to do that. And when does Israel Folau get the opportunity to, you know, even learn from his mistakes or change his ways or whatever? And he doesn't have to do that if he doesn't want to. Like, everyone's free to think whatever they think. But this idea that, you know because of his profile, it makes it worse for the game. I think that's a little bit gross because, 
you know, if it's between some, and look, I saw people saying, well, he targeted a minority group with what he said. If you read through what he posted, everyone that wasn't Israel Folau is going to hell. Like he painted a very broad brush. It wasn't just gay people he targeted. It was people that drank alcohol and all sorts of stuff. It was ridiculous. It was just stupid. It was. And I, like the question I have is, at what point has Israel Folau paid a price that people are happy with for what he has said? And at what point can he then go on and live his life? Or does he have to pay for this? For the rest of his life, can I, can I bring up? Can I bring up a case? Yeah, go for it. A rugby league case. Yeah, Mitchell Moses. Mm-hmm. Back in 2014, he was given a two-game ban because he called Luke Bateman a fucking gay cunt. Mm-hmm. So he was banned for a gay slur. Yeah, he got two weeks. I bet hardly anyone remembers that. Yeah, so and maybe and, Israel Flower just needs a two-game ban. But you know, here's the thing, and I, I don't know the answer to this question, right? But is it worse to say that, or what Israel Flower said? I feel well, like there's more venom in the first one. Am I wrong Moses in one. saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is. Um. But on both occasions, I'm I'm not entirely certain that that many people are going to be that offended either way. Like, pretty much everyone who saw the Israel Folau stuff, other than the media, just mm. went, you know, Israel Folau's been a dickhead again. Move on, mm. nothing to see here. No one really cared that much. Mm. The media turned it into something massive. Um, and I believe the media were quite strongly involved in what eventually turned out to be his sacking from Rugby Australia. Um, not entirely, because obviously Folau's words were, you know, a large part of that as well. But the media mm. made it much more bigger than it really, let's be honest, than it really was. He just well, said and that, just crap and that was it. You know? And that kind of folds a little bit into what I said in the last episode is his words only carry weight if you give them weight. And yeah. if, like, I, and I, the way I see it is like, what a fucking dickhead. And that's as much time as his his quotes that he put up really deserve in my opinion and but if you start giving them weight then they 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 get it you know um and look i can see where people are really offended by it or they're really upset by it but i wouldn't listen to what israel falau says no no like this it's... is a dude that that was like oh yeah Hey, it feels the sport for me. And it's like, oh, yeah, rugby union's the sport for me. Like, this is the guy that changes his fucking opinions quite a, a lot, you know? I'm pretty sure when he was younger, he was a Mormon, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's I, I wouldn't be shocked if he changed his mind. But yeah, I, I just think that it's a hot-button topic. And I, I just think that it might have gone, it, I think it's been blown out of proportion to a certain extent in that this is a guy who said something that I don't think, I've not heard anybody that agrees with it yet. No, no one, no one agrees with him. 
But do we have to condemn him and banish him for life because he said something when we, as a game, not we, but the game itself and the people within the game absolutely embrace people that break laws, that physically hurt people and have hurt them on more than one occasion? I know the I know where my focus would be first mm. and foremost, and it wouldn't be on somebody that sprouts some shit about like ninety eight percent of the population's going to hell. Yeah, it's it's nonsense. Yeah, um, I don't know. The media's just gone stupid on this. They really have. You know that when it was all happening in Australia with Israel Flower, the thing that surprised me was how many people come out of I don't know if come out of the woodworks the right way to say it how many people rose up to support Israel Folau against the what was being said in the media and a lot of people that were very outspoken against him and and he we all know the story about he got something like was it three million dollars on GoFundMe before they shut that down for his court case and his legal costs that's I mean, that's a lot of money. That's real people putting their money in. And it might only be a small section of the community once again in that sense. But it just surprised me how many people come out and and supported him. Because from my point of view, like, no one has to worry about Israel Folau. Like, he's a millionaire. He's a multi-multi-millionaire. If he did nothing for the rest of his life, he's sweet for money. He's had experiences that most of us will never, ever experience. And... You know, he's one. Doesn't matter what anyone says or does to him from now on, he's one. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just think in this sense, I, I don't know what is the price he is supposed to pay for posting what he did. And I, I no one is able to answer that. Because apparently it's losing his rugby union career, not playing in that rugby union World Cup, having to leave Australia to get another sporting job i mean he's having to, he's had to go to france to play football like when is does he have to go further afield does he have to go to a different i don't know what the what is the price that to me is a question i would love someone to answer and like neither of us are supporters of israel Folau or what he said no no like, absolutely not what know, he said was absolutely stupid yeah that, and that's how it should be seen it should be seen as stupid not offensive you should look yeah. at his ruffle out and what he says. And, and before you think of saying anything, you've got to look at this and say, I just need to remind myself that this person is a dickhead. <laughs> and once you've got that set in your head, you yeah. then read it and go, okay, I don't need to worry about this any further. He's a dickhead. And you yeah. move on with your life. Yeah, um, you do, yeah. I've got a poser for you. Okay. Do you think Israel Flower said that dumb shit? just to get sacked by Rugby Australia so he'd get out of that contract. Because he said mm. something once before and he was given a warning. Mm. And I think he went, this is a trigger for me to get out of this and get my payout and then go back to playing rugby league again and I don't have to take a big income. I can play anywhere for biscuits and I'll get a big payout from Rugby Australia. See, I, I don't know. It's a big gamble to think you're going to get a payout. Um. The thing that gets me is he he pulled the trigger on that with that comment and then he just doubled down the whole way on it. Like he was doing sermons and, and said some, I mean, he said a bunch of stupid stuff after that. 
Um, I think at one point he said something about the fires because uh, were going raging in Australia because I don't know we we because people... because Australia legalised same sex marriage. Ah, oh, is that what it was? Yeah, another oh. yeah. yeah. just utterly stupid. But I wonder if you if you went on that little tirade mm. purely to show his religious strength, because let's be honest, in all the years prior to that, I think he'd only said one thing that was mildly off-putting religiously and that was the thing he got a warning for about a year a year prior and then to yeah. come out with something like that it just to me it seemed like seemed a little maybe forced or intentional he, he must have known that something was going to happen at the very least yeah like he he would not have put that up thinking Oh, this, this, will be will, okay. this will be yeah. This will be sweet. Like I'll just put this up, and then I might go and have some breakfast, and I'll you know probably get a couple of likes or something. Watch it it wouldn't have been thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Probably in one hand, gay porn in the other. Not <laughs> that there's anything wrong with that. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Bible or gay porn. Just. Yeah. You know, just think that it'd be funny if his rough way went and did that. It would be, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, you know, like the whole thing is a bit weird. I, I, I'm more outraged that there are other players playing in the game than him because I, I just don't put any weight into what he says. Like, he's going to say, he's shown in the past, he'll put, he will say whatever he needs to say for a buck. And, you know, he's saying whatever he said for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I'm not buying it. <laughs> no, neither am I. It's kinda of like when Anthony Mundine says something outrageous, like these days, all I think is, yeah, I'm not I'm not buying your pay per view. That's yeah, all yeah. I can think, you know. It's it's very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um speaking of pay per view, well actually no pay per view. Yeah. Rugby Australia has no broadcast deal for the upcoming season. Yeah, uh, start of next year, I think it is, yeah. Uh, next um, season. Yeah, yeah, start of next season. Because they're playing this season. You wouldn't know it, hey. They're already playing. Oh, it's already started, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, is, this, is this the Gordon versus Manly games, or is it something else? No, the super, super rugby games have begun. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's just, no, it's nowhere. It's not anywhere. Um, so has it been broadcast on Fox Sports this year? I believe so. Okay. And then it runs out next year. So Fox Sports wanted to get their club games, the Club Rugby Union games, and they wanted it as a separate package. And apparently uh, Rugby Australia, which was what they call themselves, um, they wanted to have a whole package put together, which is what most sports do. You know, you buy the whole thing in one one thing. Um, and so Foxtel was just like, no, nah, go away. We're out. And so it looks like Rugby Union is now going to go over to Optus. Uh, and Optus, you know, if they're the only bidder for it, there's no need for them to pay over the odds for it. And it puts Rugby Union in Australia in an absolutely horrifying position. I mean, I, I saw, um, and keep in mind, they've only got four clubs. I saw some something saying they might have to drop their salary cap down to $3 million for their super Rugby Union players. Um, I. I saw another article, and it was from overseas, and it was saying how after the last Rugby Union World Cup, a lot of the experienced 
Australian players went and left overseas. And so the super rugby teams, they have all of these like juniors that are playing in them right now. Like they've been basically gutted. Uh, they're in a real bad position, really, really bad position. And it's great. So what we can take from this mm. is rugby is, if you're, if you're a rugby league passionate fan mm-hmm. and you hate rugby union, mm-hmm. you also hate Israel Folau. You mm-hmm. should say to yourself, maybe I should give Israel Folau a, a bit of leeway because he's played a pretty big part in rugby, rugby union's downfall in Australia. Well, I mean, there were reports that he got a payout of like $8 million mm-hmm. was the first payout number I heard. And he's and also then, a big star that they've just lost as well. Oh, massive star. Well, like name name three rugby union players in Australia. George Gregan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Eels? <laughs> ben Darwin? Yeah. There you go. Three of yeah, the most exactly. elite that I could think of. And... So they've got no one. Like, they've got no one to market around. They've got their teams don't go well. Uh, it's pretty crazy, the position they're in. And it's just getting worse and worse. And, like, shout out to Raylene Castle, because just a stellar bloody job she's doing over there. Absolutely amazing. Question for you. Yes. Who's the better administrator? Mm-hmm. Raylene Castle? Or Justin Potato? Just Potato. 100%. Jeez, it, it's, it's pretty close for mine. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll never forget Potato's buddy Robbie Farrah thing. Yeah, uh, that was... <laughs> that was pretty dopey. That was really bad. Uh, the, the worst part about that was when, like, the, the, the NRL said, you're not allowed to do that. Lewis Tigers put out a statement saying, we think we are. The NRL put out a statement saying, no, you're not. We're telling you you're not. And then the West Tigers' response to that was, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't rugby league funny sometimes? It's magnificent. Um, ah, well, let's stay on the Tigers. Um, <laughs> small news here. The Tigers today announced that they will have co-captains this year, <laughs> Moses and Bai and Benji Marshall. Yeah. The first thing I thought of here was last year Moses and Bai was named captain on his own. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he's now being helped by a bloke in his last season. And I think it's a good idea having Benji Marshall as the captain on the field. Yeah. It kind of diminishes the role that Moses and Bai has, though, I think, because, I mean, the starters, we don't know what bloody position he's going to be playing. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably prefer they just made Benji the captain. Yeah, I mean, Benji's going to be calling the shots. He's the one that the entire team has looked to for forever. Um, you know, I, I don't see why they really need to have anyone else other than captain. I don't like these these group captains. I don't like having, like, a forward captain and a backs captain. I hate all that crap. I think uh, captaincy and leadership is something that happens naturally within a club. Sometimes it's somebody that you don't expect is the leader of the the team and the players in the team. Like um, Moses and Bai. Yeah, yeah. Look, he, you know, 
I'm trying to think of some captains that, like Boyd Cordner, I guess, is one, you know? Um, but then there's other ones that they're standout. They're the leader of the club. Like I remember back uh, many, many years ago, Steve Carter was undoubtedly the leader of the Panthers. Didn't yeah. matter who was the captain. Steve Carter was the, the leader of them. Um, and there's Wally, been Lewis, plays... Wally Lewis was another genuine, just born leader. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. There's players like that. Cameron Smith, another one. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, I mean... Clinton when Gutherson. Well, you know, he, he, he is looked up to by the Wentworthville players quite highly. Uh, <laughs> who would you say is the captain of the on that Eels team? He'd be the leader. Um God, that's a tough question. The, the, the reason why it's tough, and I'm, you know, I'm not sticking the boot to Parramatta, is because they're quite a young side now. Yeah. So Part of someone, me thinks it's, it's Moses, hey? Well, I mean, he is the one who's most likely going to abuse the living shit out of one of his teammates, so I suppose that's a leadership quality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always find that the really interesting question when because, like, we look at sporting teams and we we normally look at, and this happens a lot along all sports, you kind of gravitate to the leader is the best player um, because they're doing the most, they're having the biggest impact on the game. Mm. But then when they all walk off the field or the court or whatever you're playing, there's normally somebody that everyone looks up to. There's normally someone who's the the natural leader amongst them. And I'm always fascinated by that and how it can be so different and how somebody who might be like only a, a bit player in the grand scheme of things in a team, they get off the court and everyone says, oh yeah, he's he's the alpha dog. You know, doesn't matter yeah. what he, we do on the field. He's the dude that no one messes with and that we follow his lead. And I find that really in, an interesting dynamic in sport. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's go to something else that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Captain's Challenge has been set for trial in the All-Stars and Charity Shield games in this uh, preseason after being provisionally approved by the ARL Commission. What are your thoughts on the Captain's Challenge? Well, I think any time that we can stop the game and ruin the flow of the sport, we've got to do it. Um, I, I love it when we get a penalty that's within kicking range and we just stop the game and you get like 13 players on the field looking around to the bench and working out if they should kick the goal or what that should they do. And we wait for the trainers and the trainers are confused. And then the the signal comes out and then they work out what they're going to do. And it's a quick tap. Um, So the idea that we're going to do that more within the game, because only the captain can challenge, like he's not going to be told what to do. I think it's fantastic. And I think that, uh, we should see more of it. I absolutely detest this idea. Yeah, it's dumb. You know what it does? What? It completely diminishes the referee's involvement in the game. At mm-hmm. a time when the media and the fucking referee's boss are doing such a stellar job of diminishing what the referees do on the field already, Yeah. now we're going to say it's legally fine for the captains to then say, referee... I don't think you make it, you're doing your job properly. They've already got yeah. a video bloody assistance in a bunker there talking in their ear. Now all of a sudden they're going to have players and they've got the opportunity 
to correct a player on the uh, correct decision on the field. I think it's utter stupidity, mm. absolute and madness. O- and only the captain could do it. But what happens with these teams that name half a dozen captains? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what that's what'll happen now. Yeah. Every team will name 17 captains, so whenever whoever wants to make an argument, they can just go forward and go for it. And, you know, when a captain goes up to a referee and says, I've got you, that, you, I think you've got that wrong, the referee's response should be, I don't care, go away. Exactly right. And yeah. I, just, I just hate this. It just means the referee now has what little authority they had in a game has now just been completely destroyed. Do you know, in the NBA, they brought in... Uh, challenges to certain rules, uh, like if something happens in the game, you can get the referees to stop and check it out on a replay. And it is the most clunky, game-stopping, momentum-stopping, enjoyment-stopping thing you can imagine. Yep, everyone um, stops and looks at a big screen for a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah, you get you know all these fantastic athletes sitting around waiting for a replay to come up, and you know, for a free, one of the things we've got in rugby league, it's a free flowing game, and I can't believe that people keep on trying to come up with ways to stop that. Yeah, and then they complain about how long it takes for the video referee to come up with a decision. Oh, yeah. they take too long; it ruins the flow. But oh, we need to have captain's challenge. I mean, fucking hell! It's ridiculous. It's it's absurd. I hate it. Mm, same here. I'm I'm going to hate it for as long as people keep pushing it. Dumbest yeah. thing ever. We need to be giving referees more authority, not taking more away from them. Exactly, and Oh, man. I, I hate d- it. And once again, another rule change that wasn't needed. No, I like, don't I've, need only, it. I've only heard like three or four people saying they've wanted this thing, and they're all old journos. Yeah, and that's that's what this is too. This is a knee-jerk reaction to shit the journos have said, not mm. to something that the game actually needs. And the people mm. running the game, this ARL commission... And Peter Volandis is a part of it because the fucking media loves him. So, of course, he's going to listen to what they say. Yeah. That's where this stems from. Because it comes from the ARLC, you know, the ARL Commission. It comes from them. I I really worry about the future of the game. If we're going to have an ARLC that's going to sit there and respond to every fucking gripe and whinge that the media has because they're going to kill the fucking game. Yeah, I agree. and. The other thing that I find weird is that, you know, when it comes to something like this, the ARL Commission can spit out a pretty quick answer. And then you say, how about expansion? They go, oh, we need to organise a committee about that. And then we have to put it together a committee to put together the committee who speaks about what they're going to speak about. And we've got to, and it's like, you know, all of a sudden they can't make anything up, you know. Uh, but then Buzz I, I, says, oh, the referees are stupid and they're shit and we need to kill them the game and we need to have Captain's Challenge. I go, oh, yeah, let's do what Buzz says. Yeah, straight away, it's ridiculous. Um, and we don't need to change the rules of the game. We really no. don't. They're fine. Yeah, perfectly fine. Um, so what's next on here? Ah, oh, yes. The NRL has agreed to um, – not have the national anthem played for the Indigenous game. Apparently, the Indigenous players um, had requested it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if that was a request put forward by the players and the RLs said, "Okay, we'll give you what you want," then fine by me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but there'll be a lot of people sitting out there bitching and moaning about it. Um, I don't like it. You don't like it? No. I think that it's... I, I find it a little bit strange. I find it strange that we're going to have an Australian team playing a New Zealand-based team and we're not going to play our anthem. I don't. I think that that's weird. Yeah, but yeah, it might be weird. But I, I'm not. I don't know. I, I just, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> yeah, that's but, like that's cool. That's the I thing. Just, like, you see so many people saying, "Oh, you know, it's 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 disloyal to not want to sing the national anthem." And I, I've showed people you can go back to 1990s. Mm. Not that long ago, and look at State of Origin when the when the national anthem was being sung, and the players were just wandering around in circles talking to one another. They weren't even singing the song. Yeah, you, if you don't want to sing it, you don't have to sing it. One hundred percent. I, I, and, I and that's what for all these people that are saying, oh, you know, the the men and women that fought for this flag, and you know, they fought so that you know all you can do is sing the national. And it's like, no, they they fought and and died so that you had the choice to do what you wanted to do, you know? Um, also, they didn't they didn't fight and die for this national anthem because it hasn't it wasn't around. Well, it's so, some anthem, jeez. We, they, they fought for God Save the King and God Save the Queen or whatever that was in place at the time. In wars. And then yeah. since I think the last war we were in, was, was Vietnam War for us a war or did we call that a police action as well? I don't know. I think we call that a war because it was. You know, you know the story about that, don't you? They, I, I think that, uh, it might have been Korea where it first began, where it was like in, in the United States, or like, you're going to war. And they're like, when are going to war? Who said anything about war? And they said, well, what is this? Is this a police action? And they're like, yes, this is a police action. And so there's this thing that, and where it's like, they haven't declared war since because <laughs> they don't have to. It's just a police action. Police anyway, action. sorry. Sorry that's about that. Um, um, yeah, look, I, I, I find it weird. I do. I find it weird. And I think that for 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 the All-Star, the All-Star game's always been a thing that's all positive. And I think that when you bring in any sort of negativity about it at all, I think it diminishes what the All Star Game was supposed to be about. You know, I don't, I don't see this as a as a negative though, because so many Indigenous people are opposed to the national anthem. So I'd say that this is more of a positive step towards reconciliation, I guess. But it's done through a game of sport. But what I, about? I think what I'd rather see is mm-hmm. if the Indigenous people didn't want to sing the Australian national anthem they sing a song that they want to sing. Yeah, but the problem is that Aboriginal people in Australia have different, uh, basically, Aboriginal languages. So it's not like, you know, the the New Zealand Maori, they, half their anthem is in Maori. But Mm -hmm. in Australia, it's just, we've got too many Aboriginal languages for that. I can't remember. I feel like it's something crazy, like a hundred and something different Aboriginal languages. It's a heap. But, you yeah. know, they could show their unity by yeah. seeing it in English. That would be all about the Aboriginal people. 
So you get a bit of both. Look, if if they wanted to do, if they wanted to do, say, and look, it's not up to me to fucking do a negotiation here, you know. But <laughs> no, of I, course, I just, yeah, it's like it's like no, no, let me work this out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll sort it out, people. Just calm down. Yeah, yeah. Just give, give me five minutes. I'll get to the end. And by the end of it, it's like, let's do patty cake, okay? <laughs> and then we end with the game of Duck, Duck, Goose, which I'm always a big fan of playing Duck, Duck, Goose. But, um, look, I, I just think that I understand that there are Aboriginal people that don't like the national anthem. They don't have to sing it. But I also understand that there are a lot of people that will be attending this game and that will tune into this game who will see a team that is representing all of us, you know, and I don't feel like the Indigenous team is just representing Indigenous people. It's representing me. It's representing you. It's representing our nation. And I think that there will be a lot of people that will tune in and to not have the national anthem sung, there will be people that will find it weird. And that's, you know, it's, I guess that's all right as well, but... It's okay to find it weird. I think there'll be people out there who will be outraged, and I I don't get the outrage over it. But I can see where the Indigenous people are with the the anthem and why they don't like it, and that's why I kind of think... I I don't really give... I don't really have that high opinion of the anthem. I'll sing it at important events like Anzac Day and and the like. Mm -hmm. That's out of respect for the people who did die for this country mm-hmm. um but if it doesn't represent everyone then why why should we be calling it the national anthem it's just the sort of national anthem yeah see i i mean i i love our national anthem um but at the same time if people don't want to sing it that's i'm cool with that you know um I, I, I also think, and this is a personal thing with me, I have, I've definitely got cause fatigue. You know, I've got this, I've got a fatigue of like, you're told every single day about these things you're supposed to care about and get upset about and get, you know, riled up about and stuff. And I'm so fit, like, I'm just over it all. And so when, you go to tune into a footy game and it's like, oh, there's something, there's some other drama happening here. And it's like, oh, man, can we just not? Can we just all sing the fucking anthem and just play some footy? Like, I, have a, I do have a solution. Okay, hit me with it. We need to become the fifth nation in the world to have a national anthem that has no words. And would we have the same music that we got now? Why not? And just have a play with the didgeridoo. I don't like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. See, if they did that in the stadium, could you actually, could you do the national anthem with the didgeridoo? Of course you could. I don't know. I think it'd be difficult. And just scrap, just say, all right, we officially scrap all the lyrics. Mm -hmm. It will just be someone playing the tune by didgeridoo. And that's the only way it can ever be played. You won't be able to play it on a piano or a trump or anything else. It can only be played on a didgeridoo. That's an interesting one, actually. I would like to hear that. If that's the way that it went, 
you know, yeah. you've got your moment to stand there and like, uh, you don't have to on sing your, on your nation. Yeah. You, you, you don't have to sing. You just put your hand over your heart or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I've never heard anybody suggest that. There you go. See, we can solve these problems. And then we end with duck, duck, goose. And then, well, that's the, that's the obvious. So, you know, finish to all of that. Yeah. Um, got a little bit of player movement here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bulldogs have signed English prop Luke Thompson for next season. And yeah. I was saying, I was saying in our episode that we didn't record off air, um, that I get the feeling that the Bulldogs think they've signed the second coming of James Graham, and they actually haven't. Like Luke Thompson will be, will be okay. He'll be in the NRL prop rotation. Don't mm. get me wrong. But he's not going to be James Graham quality. No, I, I'm looking forward to him uh, just being okay. And when he doesn't stuff up, we get Paul and Sundry saying how he's absolutely amazing and one of the best plays in the world for no reason at all. Um, and, you know, I, good, good luck to him. I think it's always fantastic when you see an English player decide they want to test themselves in the best league in the world. Um, but you know, we'll see how he goes, I guess. Yeah. Um, now finally, we've got two articles about one player and they're both by James Hooper. So, you know, these are going to be good. I'm ready for some good insight here. Okay. So this one said, uh, Josh Dugan claims he suffered chronic damage from secret fracture and mid shark standoff. Oh, really? Josh Dugan said that. How do you get a secret fracture? Just wake up one day and go, fuck, my arm's broken. <laughs> yeah. How'd that happen? You, you whisper like Homer, hey, don't tell anyone. <laughs> my, my fucking leg's broken. <laughs> now, um, obviously this is by James Hooper, who's on Fox Sports, so let me read out all the quotes in this article. Okay, yeah, because I want to hear what, what Josh Dugan said. What did he say? And I'm done. Okay. All right. Um. So there was a follow-up article that James Hooper did. Oh, sweet. That'll be good because yeah, so it'll clear it up, you know. It will. We'll get some insight from this one. Yeah. Um, apparently, Josh Dugan is not training. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll read out all the quotes in this one here to back up this one. Okay. And I'm done. Okay. Right. Thanks. Thanks, James Hood Ornament, for your insight. Um, That's fantastic. He's a, he's a real insider. Yeah, part of journalism is to actually speak to people and get their quotes. So, you know, do your job better, mate. I love that you can do an article where you can say a player has said something, but then not quote them whatsoever. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I can write that shit. Did you know Jason Taumalolo said that we're the best podcast in the whole world? That's amazing. I didn't know he yeah. said that at all. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you Thanks. won't hear him actually say that anywhere, but he said that. He did say it? Yeah, yeah, he, oh, he, he said it definitely. I'm glad he said it. That, that's fantastic. Yeah. That means a lot. Yeah, yeah, I was really uh, you, I was you really would have been stoked. I mean, you named your phone after him. I did, yeah, Jason Telmofono. <laughs> I love that. So, and it's um, red. It's red like his Tongan jersey. There you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's all the news, all the news that's gone in the rugby league world this past few days. 
Um, I, so tell you what, I, yeah. I don't know. Should we? Uh, I don't know if we should say anything about the news about Josh Reynolds or not. I think what we can say is that Channel Nine reported some stuff tonight about Josh Reynolds and what he has been dealing with. That was absolutely extraordinary. I don't want to speak on any of the specifics at all, but holy shit, man, how crazy was that? Well, we might as well. We'll just say, okay, this is all alleged. Yeah. Okay. So this, these aren't facts. These are all alleged. But the, the, the allegations are that the girlfriend he had has been using several alias names with several other boyfriends in the past and with, and with um, Josh. Um, she lied to him that, that she was pregnant with twins and that there was, yeah, it, it didn't work out. They lost the babies and then she got pregnant again with twins and lost the babies. And I think that story came out last year and he was mm-hmm. absolutely devastated by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also said that her mother had passed away and he gave her a few thousand dollars for the funeral, which was all fake because the mother's still alive. Um, so these are the allegations. Um, yeah, and reported by Channel crazy story. Mm. Uh, and, man, it was, it was, uh, it was incredible to, to see it all. And, you know, it, it seems as though uh, Josh Reynolds has people around him that are supporting him, which is good. He'll need that. Um, it's all going to court right now. But, uh, yeah. Can I like, say that this, this is the craziest rugby league um, off-field relationship story mm-hmm. since Bobby Lullum. Do you know the story about Bobby Lullum? I think you've told me about Bobby Lullum, but all right, well, tell our listeners because it, okay. it is fucking crazy. <laughs> I'll, I'll set it up too, okay? During the... 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, a lot of women found out, well, not a lot, there's a small group of women in Sydney found out that you could use rat poison, because there was a big rat plagues going on in Sydney at the time, you could use that and it would, you put in your husband's drink, it would kill him, it was full of thalidomide. Um, Bobby Lullum was having an affair with his mother-in-law, I think her name was Victoria Monty, and... The story is, not too sure if it's true or not, but the story is that she got very upset about what she was doing to her daughter's relationship with, you know, with Bobby Lullum. So she decided to invite Bobby over and tell him that she was going to break it off with him and she was going to kill herself. And so she made two cups of Milo and she put rat poison in one and the one she put it in was the one that she was supposed to drink. Mm-hmm. But she got the cups confused, and he drank the poisoned one instead. He became very ill. And it's worth noting, he was a test player at the time for Australia. Mm-hmm. He played for Balmain. He went to hospital, obviously, very, very ill, lost all his hair, lost all his muscle, it ended his rugby league career. Um, and people were saying, how did you get sick? What's going on? And he couldn't say anything because he didn't want to, you know, end his marriage. Mm-hmm. But the whole story came out and she had to go to court and stuff like that. And so it, it ruined his marriage anyway. But, yeah, just a, one of the wildest, craziest stories that 
that has ever been about, I suppose, in a, a rugby league human's relationship off the field. And this Josh Reynolds one looks to be the crazy thing that's happened since then. Yeah, I, I would say so. There was the only other one. I mean, I, I heard, I don't like talking about off-field stuff. I really don't because it's no, like, neither. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, this, I was just shocked. And I, I think the thing that shocked me the most was that it was all reported on the main news and uh, they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have reported on it unless they had, you know, dotted their T's and crossed their I's, so to speak. And, you know, it, it's good that he's going to get his day in court. And I wonder how it's all going to affect the way the NRL Integrity Unit uh, looks into the videotape that was put out about him, which didn't show him doing anything uh, wrong. To, no. told, showed him telling someone to get out of his house, basically. Mm. Um, but you know what the, NR, the NRL is, is very reactionary. Um, but I wonder how they will now handle this. Well, he, apparently he has asked to have the court case expedited so it can be heard a lot sooner. So mm -hmm. um, I dare say he's hoping that it will be all sorted out and, and done and dusted before the season starts so he won't have to be suspended under yeah. that um, no-fault step-down thing, whatever it is that the NRL's got in place. Yeah, and uh, look, that it, I guess that shows why that no-fault stand-down thing is such an issue because... What happens if you in, invoke that on a player and then information like this comes out? And look, it's got to see it's day in court because no one has all the information, right? But once something comes out where it's like, oh, man, the NRL integrity unit might have got this pretty wrong. And if then it goes to court and he's found not guilty, it's like, well, you know, having suspended him has been the wrong thing to do. I think, though, that, I mean, it's pretty clear that that no-fault stand-down policy is all about appeasing sponsors and nothing else. Yeah. Because there was a lot of sponsors like Telstra, for example, that were apparently threatening to, to pull the pin on the NRL and the lucrative sponsorship they give them over that whole Jack the Bellin saga mm -hmm. and the Dylan Walker one as well. And so I think... They came up with this policy to show Telstra and other sponsors that they're committed to having a clean game that wouldn't stand for that sort of stuff. So that's kind of where that policy comes from. I understand where they come from. I don't don't necessarily like it. Yeah. It's a great policy when the player's found guilty. Yep. You can't fault it then. But when the player's not guilty, hmm... You've just victimised them. You have. And it, you know, I, I don't like the idea of, like, with our rugby league players, we treat them like they're guilty until proven innocent. It's it's not the way that... Um, it's not the way that our law is, you know. I, I just don't like it. How many minefields have we had to tiptoe through in this episode? What the we're, hell? We're doing well. Yeah, we don't, I don't think that we've really said anything too uh, controversial or like lying in the sand ish, hey? No, but we've, we've been pretty fervent there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, we'll move on to uh, 
emails. Have we got any emails? Yes, we've got a couple of emails. We have a, a bit of a shorter one and then a much longer one. Uh, the first one is from somebody, and I won't say their name because they said, I have vested interest in this topic, so would prefer to remain anonymous. Can't hear your two compare, you two compare uh, Cooper John's performance in the ISC last year compared to the second string half at the Falcons, Caleb Daunt. Keen to find out if Johns deserves his place in the Storm 30-man squad or whether this is nepotism gone mad. Now, I can tell you, I haven't seen either of these players play. I, I really haven't. I saw a lot of New South Wales Cup games, but I didn't see any. I think I saw two Queensland Cup games, and that was like their grand final. And then, the, um, you know, when the Queensland Cup teams plays in the New, New South Wales Cup teams. So they're the oh, only yeah. teams I, games I saw last year. I've only seen a very small amount from both players and I haven't seen enough from Cooper Johns mm-hmm. to tell me that he deserves a place in any NRL's 30 man squad. Yeah. And I think it's a case of he's in there because of his surname, who his father and uncle is. Um, so yeah, I, I do tend to agree with anonymous there. Um, I haven't seen too much of, of Daunt either. Um, so I can't really comment there. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have... I don't know if I'd have either of them in an NRL squad just yet. Yeah. Not saying I, they, won't, they won't be there in the future, but I don't think this year they, they deserve a place in an NRL squad. I just I think they've still got a bit more to go. Okay. Because there's... I mean, there's definitely a, a train of thought where the player of like a, that their parent played professional sport and it doesn't necessarily have to be the same professional sport just the fact that they grew up around locker rooms and stuff and and other athletes and things like that they're used to that environment uh it ingrains something within them that is a little bit of a, a an extra thing that most other athletes don't get to have like and so Pierce. yeah yeah but then at some point <laughs> at some point like they got to stand on their own two feet and do it themselves and you know some of them do it some of them you know they use it it, it's an extra on top of all of the things they do and others it ends up almost being a curse eh? Joel Reddy yeah it's an interesting one it is good question yeah it's a really good question thanks for sending that in anonymous uh, sender um we've got another one here from on twitter it's uh coopsy yeah coopsy 2018 he's not a Coop, rooster it's not cooper johns is it no imagine <laughs> if it was man how weird would that be that would that would make this super fucking awkward um <laughs> he says uh this is quite a long email he says g'day gentlemen Welcome to 2020. Just a quick email to say I love the podcast and spent all off-season listening on my commute between Brisbane and the Gold Coast each day. I have a few comments on a couple of the topics you have covered in recent podcasts, and they are all linked in a small way. Um, Starting with the most recent episode, which was episode 129, you discussed the spine of each of the 16 NRL clubs, and I agree some of the ratings given by Fox Sports were drawn out of a hat. Do you think they gave the ratings were based on how each player compared to the current crop in each position or the quality compared to former greats? 
Um, no, they guessed. They just completely guessed. It's a complete guess. I think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's compared to former greats because um, they'd all be way too high if they were. So I think it's compared against the other NRL clubs. Yeah, some of them were compared. Some of them were compared to Super League clubs. (laughs) It made me think about um, like international, or not international, but NRL club spines that jump out at you from history. Like straight away, it made me think of Parramatta, like with uh, Sterling, Kenny, um, who was their fullback. Well, they had a few fullbacks there. Yeah, I mean, even um, I think the one standard for me is is right. Canberra. Yeah, Mullins, Daly, Stewart, and Steve Walters. Jesus or, Christ! Or not only them, like the Storm, where you had like Slater. Even if you go Slater at fullback, Inglis at five eighth, Cronk at halfback, and Smith at five eighth, like. Uh, Look, that's that's just stupid. Yeah, that's that's not fair. Nah, it's not. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A lot of grand final spines too are, are, have been pretty good. Mm. Um. So yeah, it's. I think though that actually I'll wait because I was going to say something there which I know is in the next part of the email, so I'll, I'll let you continue. Okay. Here we go. Uh, keep going. Personally, I feel there is a massive lack of talented halves being produced in Australia, and the current uh, crop of halves in the game is the worst I've seen in a long time. For the last 15 years, there was one super halfback and one super 5'8", and they both played for Queensland. The results showed in the origin combinations, in the origin domination. Now they have retired, the next crop are a long way off that standard. To a point, Canberra have imported a POM. (laughs) Uh, he says the ARL, a private investor, needs to set up a junior development program for young players specialising in halves play and use Thurston, Johns, Lockyer, etc. before it's too late. What do you reckon about that? Yeah, look, I'd say... I, I remember talking to you about this uh, in our unrecorded off-air episode. <laughs> it's, um, I think the role of the halves has changed a lot in the last 30, 40 years. Mm. And because of that, the halves aren't as vital to a team's attack today as they were back then. And therefore, you'll have a look at, as I said, you look at 1989, look at the halves that played then, and a lot of them are considered absolute greats of the game, and you compare them with a lot of halves now, and some of them you just go, you you know, in 10 years' time, you'll go, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. I mean, these are just the five eights that played in 89, just, just some of them. Uh, Phil Blake, Michael Hagen, Michael Speechley, Cliff Lyons, Wally Lewis, Terry Lamb, Steve Carter, Chris Mortimer, Brett Kenny, Greg Florimo, Paul Langmack, uh, Mike Eden, Ellery Hanley, Michael Potter played a few games there as well, Sean Edwards, Brad Izzard, Peter Jackson. Yeah, just, that's just five eights. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I, I think it goes in ebbs and flows a little bit. And I think that happens with a lot of positions. I think right now we've got so many great forwards, it's 
I think we've never had as many uh, great forwards in the game's history as we do right now. Um, when it comes to halves, we have had a bit of a changing of the guard in Australian Rugby League. Um, a lot of players come through at the same time, and, and he's mentioned the Queensland players, and they're kind of left at the same time. So that's been a bit different. There's always somebody that's coming through, though. And, you know, just when you think, oh, who's going to replace Darren Lockyer at fullback? You know, Billy Slater's there, or you know, Greg Inglis is there. Um, you know, who's going to replace... Alan Langer will never be replaced at halfback for Queensland. And then Jonathan Thurston rocks up. So there's always somebody coming along. And sometimes they're not the most obvious choice either, I think. Um, yeah. I, I, do, I do like the idea of a, uh, a an elite halfback academy of some sort. Uh, the only thing that worries me about that is you don't want to teach them all the same things and all the same techniques and almost teach out the things that can make a halfback special because the things that make a, the, the difference between a really, really good halfback and a truly one of the best halfbacks is the thing you don't expect them to do. They do. Yeah. Like that, you know, Thurston wasn't great because he did, he, he, you know, crossed all the T's and dotted all his eyes. He was great because when, you expected him to do one thing, he'd do another thing, and it would tear the game open. And that's what Lockyer did. That's what Johns did. Um, that's what the great halfbacks do. They rip a game open. And I, the only thing I do worry about a halfback academy is that you would teach that out of everyone. I fully agree. And as I said, look, the, the biggest change that hurt halfbacks, I dare say, in you know, in, in Australia anyway, was the 10-metre rule. Mm-hmm because they had so much time to move, but it also meant that so many other players could become ball players, fullbacks, centres, players yeah. that never usually had to be ball players before. They start becoming ball players, even hookers. We didn't have that many ball-playing hookers, as in genuine, almost like halfbacks. Yeah. Until the 10-metre rule came in play. And even then, you sort of had Steve Wilders and Benny Elias. But in the last 10 years... Nearly every hooker has to be able to be some, you know, to some level, part part halfback. They've got to have a bit of a kicking game. They've got to have a really good passing game, a good running game, you know. And that ten meter rule changed a lot of things and it brought a lot of other players into the game, like second rowers. Um, you know, locks changed as well. So mm-hmm. it just meant that they, you've now got more ball players on the field, so the halfback doesn't have to be the one go-to guy for all that creativity. I also think that when, uh, with the 10 metre rule come in and we had a, I mean, we had Stewart, we had Langer, we had great halfbacks. And then we had Andrew Johns, who was the, the, I think it's fair to say the greatest all round halfback we've ever had. He had, and the thing about him though, was he was probably the best defensive halfback of all time at that level of halfback. You know, he was he, he would hit like a second rower. He was a fantastic defender. And I think to some extent that really um I, I, I think that we set our standards by that these days to a certain degree. Forgetting that Andrew Johns is 
I consider him to be the best halfback of all time. And if he's not number one, he's in the top three without question. And so to, to be expecting that from our halfbacks every week is just asking too much because it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, I I think that I, I do. I think that we've we've come out of an era of great halfbacks for the last 10 years. And, you know, the next great halfback for Australia, who knows who it's going to be? I mean, there's a lot of people have their eyes on Cleary. Um, I think the thing with Cleary is he hasn't got that X factor, but he does everything else really well. Uh, but, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I tend to think that the next truly great halfback probably isn't in first grade just yet. The the next like uh world beating halfback, you know what I mean? So you think it might be Cooper Johns? I was just about to say Cooper Johns. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> the scary thing is though when you I mean I remember when Mitchell Pierce was still a a junior player at that level and everyone was saying he's the next Andrew Johns, he's the next Andrew Johns. And you, you worry about a young player getting anointed like that because it it really works out that they are that good. Like there's mm. junior players that translate that into the top level. It's very rare that you say he's going to be a top-class player and they actually turn into one. That's Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, that was, was that the end of that email or was there a bit more? No. There's, there's quite a bit more. Uh, separate, second topic relates to an earlier episode where we mentioned the NRL should buy Rugby Australia, which says is not a bad idea. My thought is they should, vest in, they should invest in a New York-based Super League team, set up a base in New York, filter experienced and near-retired players and rookies through that system, initially with a splattering excuse me, of US representative players to play in Super League. But where the return on investment would come from, they can have a pathway system that picks up any college footballers, any gridiron players uh, that don't make it in the NFL. Offer them an opportunity to play professional sport, travel the world and open up new opportunities to help grow the game internationally. NRL clubs can tap into this to recruit players, and he said no, Greg Smith's allowed, in time and perhaps it will grow the game in the USA that the existing comp will benefit from and then they can host a World Cup. And he said, that's just some thoughts in my head. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Freaky, good luck with your Panthers. Fergo, good luck to your Tigers. Up the mighty chooks and see you on Twitter. So it's an interesting. What do you what do you reckon about the NRL funding I, a, a New York team? I I'm not opposed to the idea. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty confident the NRL will never be involved in that because they'll just look at it and go, too much time, too much effort, too much money involved. We can just yeah. put a team in Perth. Yeah, I would agree. Like I like his idea of having a pathway for uh, college gridiron players that don't make it into the NFL because I think that there's a lot of athletes that would probably transition over to rugby league and be able to change their body still because they're younger players, be able to change in time um, to make a, a pretty good career out of rugby league. And, and it doesn't have to be superstars or anything. They might just play at a lower level, but it's still a, an opportunity to have a career in professional sport that they might not have had before. Um, but yeah, I think it's more something that is more in Super League's court at the moment because as you say, the NRL has 
focuses in this part of the world that I think that would be a better return. I mean, you look at the the uh, the Fijian team that they're bringing into the Ron Massey Cup and then is going to come into the Canterbury Cup in a few years' time. I think that's a better way for for the NRL to to spend its money on something like that. No, I fully agree. I think that's where their future's going to be, is those Pacific Islands. Mm. Yeah, that's that's be, be about as far as they'll, they'll expand. Yeah, I think, I think the furthest they would do it would be, and I've talked about this before, Hawaii, but I think any talent that they got out of the US for a Hawaiian team would just be a nice... Uh, side benefit of it rather than being the focus of what a team like that would be because I because I think a team like that would be more of a Pacific Island sort of team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you went back to episode one there. Yeah, well, you know, I like to bring it all together. 129 episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. How weird is that, eh? That's the best segue we've had so far. <laughs> Actually, I, I said that in the first episode just to be ready to talk about this in one thirty. Mate, that's why you're in here. <laughs> that, that's why you're the glorious one. That's why we're the best. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been a pretty damn good episode. So um, if you want to you wanna chat to us, you can follow us on Twitter at FergoFreakPod. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're on every podcast thing you can possibly find. You can't miss us. Um, you can drop us an email. Where can they email you at, mate? Email us at podcast at leaguefreak.com. There you go. And we've also got our own website. Yeah, dot com. We have. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep saying it. Please leave us a review. Please. Just yeah. give us five stars and say something nice. Yeah, just say something about how nice my hair is. Yeah, you know That'll what? Do. I've grown a moustache, eh? Have you? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'd grown all my facial hair, and I thought I'm just going to have fun with it, so I shaved everything except my moustache. And it's really weird because people in the, when I go to the shops, they're all talking to me a lot more. Oh, Really? Yeah, I don't get it. What sort of conversation are you getting? Is it positive? About it, 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 yeah, it's all positive. Like full-on conversations about all sorts of stuff, like the weather. And it's like not just passing conversation, like they want to stop and talk to me. Do they think you're a newsreader? I, maybe they do. I describe, my look as, <laughs> I describe my look as a really disappointing Tom Selleck. <laughs> anyone anyone with a mustache is going to be a disappointed Tom Selleck. I reckon I. Eh? He's a gorgeous man. I haven't worked out who I look like. Uh but I look like someone and I don't know who it is. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's definitely not Freddie Mercury. Uh or, is, it the, uh, is it the same colour mustache as Freddie's? No. It it's how would I describe it? It's it's not quite at that level, uh, but it's a it's a it's a fucking good tash, I've got to say. Okay. Is it black? Oh, it's dark. It's like it's dark, dark brown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, like I'm I'm African, you know, so it's dark. Okay. Yeah. 
And so you've you've grown it all the way out, or have you just gone with a little Hitler mustache? Oh, oh no, it is like it's Murphy's? all the way out. Yeah, like when I when I drink coffee, it filters through the the sucker. It's kind of weird. <laughs> that, that sounds majestic. It really it, it's it's pretty good. It's a nice thick mo, and uh, I'm thinking I'm gonna grow it like down, like down a little bit and then uh maybe go with the chopper look and or i was thinking uh because i've grown my hair as well off season you know i can i can do whatever i want and uh i'm thinking about going with the chuck liddell haircut hey so i mean it's a very interesting look yeah do it'll be it'll be parents, weird do the parents sort of shield their children away from you as you walk past them well, I haven't noticed it, but I'm having all these weird conversations, you know. I'm one of these people that goes to the shops and just wants to do, you know, what I've got to do and leave. But I keep on getting stopped for conversations. It's really weird. I don't yeah. know whether it's because they think that, like, I look dashing with this tash or whether they think, like, I don't know, I'm having some sort of mental breakdown and I, I need someone to talk to. <laughs> it's like a pity conversation. <laughs> no, it'd, it'd be the, the former, for sure. I like to think so. I like to yeah. think so. All right. Well, mate, people have got a pretty good pretty good impression now. If they see someone getting around out, out in your area there yeah. with an absolutely stunning, gorgeous mo, they're going to know it's you. Just walk up and kiss them, because it's probably going to be me. So just walk up, see someone going through Penrith Plaza. They look like a, I don't know, a 97 out of 10, and they got this sweet tash. Just go up and kiss them. Don't forget your stepladder, though. Yeah, yeah. I ain't bending down to kiss you. No, got to think of your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, well, on that, I mean, let's be honest, that's a glorious note to, to end the episode on. I reckon so, hi. Hey. I hope we Absolutely. haven't offended anyone because we didn't mean to. Well, we we may have tried to. I tried I, not I, to. I know James Hooper might be a bit, a bit offended. Well, I've been known not to offend people. So anybody, you know, from Australia, New Zealand, France, uh you know, the uncleaned people of Northern England, soap dodgers. Uh, I, I didn't mean to offend anyone. I think I think we did pretty well. I think we did too. All right. Well, um, yeah, we'll wrap this sucker up. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch you all on the next episode.